Welcome back to this episode of Real Ballers Read. We are so excited to have you back with us in this new year, 2024. In this episode, it's very special. We are talking with our good friend, uh, the poet, the incredible storyteller, and just creator, Mamadou Yatasai. Um, we got to speak with him about the Aime Cesar book, Return to My Native Land. It's a uh, book-length poem. And it, we just really got to dive in, into it and talk about uh, what this poem means to us and, you know, how we're um, growing into our understanding of it through everything going on in our lives. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Mamadou. I appreciate y'all, you know, taking the time, bro, for the, for this convo. I'm, I'm excited, bro, to, to be a part. Be a part of yeah, I appreciate this, you, man. This poem was crazy. I'm reading here for the first first time. I think I'm reading him for the first time with this poem. So I mean, this that whole Negro tool uh, movement. I, I think for me has been uh, kind of like a catalyst for the the new work that I'm that I'm really trying to lock in and um, you know kind of create for myself. Um, all about the we're all about just Afro um, liberation um, and kind of centralizing my art around that. Yeah, this this whole mm-hmm. Negro Two movement has been critical for me recently. So, so yeah. mm-hmm. do you think there's uh there's any part of it that needs to be like changed or adapted for this century, um, or are you just like taking it like as complete as is, and it's just a matter of like translating it? That's a good. That's a good question. I think. I think as we all know, like history has a funny way of repeating itself and going in these cycles. Um, so what I what I find interesting about just reading, like I even got the book right here for y'all, Return to My Native Land. And um just just reading a lot of a lot of Caesar and just Negro to just like that word, the art has this kind of eternal um, and ephemeral kind of talking in, in regards to blackness that I think that no matter where you are in history, that it, I don't know, I think it's just a matter of taking those teachings and kind of translating them into modern time. Because when you when you look at it in that way, I think the, the conversations in regards to blackness kind of have this eternity to them. And they, they mean the same thing from uh, when he wrote this book to, you know, to 2023. So I kind of look at it as like, how can I take them and then just like, you know, modernize them to today because they're 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 speaking the same language, um, no matter how many years um, apart. You feel me? So that's kind of what I'm noticing. Wow. When was the first time you read these poems or read this poem? So at first, I started. I read um. Cicero had a book called Dis- "Discourse on Colonialism." I don't know if y'all read that. So that was my first. Like that was like more of him just kind of like writing. Um, about you know his thoughts on colonialism and things like that. That was my first introduction to him. Before um, I picked this up when I first got here, um, returned to my native land, and on that book, just like his mindset and his um, kind of process, his mental process on um, you know pre-colonial Africa to post-colonial Africa, and just this kind of attention with language, with all these kind of things. That first book fascinated me from him and I kind of went to a deep dive and that was in the summer and I just went into the whole negro tool movement trying to like read um 
you know, saying whore and um, all these, all these, all these folks. And uh, yes, and just this semester got into this poetry book. Wow. How about, how about your own, man? How, yeah. how has it been for you out in discovering um, his work? Which, which I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first thing of his that I've read and is kind of mind blowing. I've definitely heard about him at school, but I feel like we don't talk about this dude enough because he was like, he was really tapped and just his language uh, is so powerful. His use of words. And then you think like, man, this, this was written in French. Like it wasn't even meant to be necessarily read in English. And then I'm like, wow, like how does this translate so perfect, perfectly um, to where I can feel and grapple with all that he's saying and feeling. And then you realize it's because the black experience, just as he's saying it across all of these places is, is his, you know? And I'm like, man, why, why don't I have that same ownership over, you know, the rest of the diaspora, you know? And that was a thing even for me that I've started to really uh, think about because I think as an African American uh, at times, I'll want to separate our experience, but that doesn't really serve me, you know what I'm saying? Or or my goals or my con connections to others. So I think he really helps me start to interrogate that. Wow. That, yeah. That's the point, bro, in interrogation, right? Because I think at the biggest point is this autonomy. Um, I think what Caesar has and what all of us have as black as black people, as African people, um, is the if but if we claim and reclaim ownership and um of our stories and we freely interrogate, like you kind of mentioned, just like our own blackness, that's how we kind of redistribute the power back to us. Because um for for folks who were born here, um and kind of just like, you know, maybe have a have a disparity in understanding, you know, the kind of African origins. Um, I think if we if you limit yourself in terms of like, OK, I'm, I was only born here. I was the only thing in like the scope of your blackness, you know, start that kind of starts and ends based on the parameters of America. Then it's like you you lose the autonomy of your, of your own blackness. And I think um, that's that. Like you said, man, it's crazy how like this was not even written in English and it was in French, but just just Africa in general, the the ability to express yourself transcends language it transcends it's a it's a feeling it's a i don't i don't know it's just i think it's infinite and i think that's a beautiful thing and i think if we allow ourselves to claim that infinity then there's no stopping us at all absolutely i mean i um i had found a discourse on colonialism earlier in the spring and, mm. and i was like even flipping through it i could feel the energy there but i didn't read it i just put it in my bookcase and kind of kept going. Um, but what happened is I was in an, an elder advisor of mine, her name is Shiva, and she has this huge library of like books, um, mostly by uh, black writers and, and South Asian writers. Um, and she had a copy. She had a lot of copies of like very old books, like first edition stuff from like, whoa, like this book has been around like longer than me. Like ever since I went to her library and she was, you know, uh, generous enough to like loan me some of her books. Um, I feel like I've been in a thing where I just love 
like older books and like vintage books. Like I feel like for so long I was, you know, on Amazon and like getting like the brand new books or the ones that had just come out like recently, like in the last five years. Um, but right, since I found this copy of Lost Body, it's um I made Mrs. Air and Pablo Picasso did like these like pencil sketches um to like accompany the poetry. And it's 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 everything that return to my native land is, but a little chillier just because like it's a collaboration with Picasso and you're like, oh snap, like these dudes were, you know, uh freedom fighters in their own lands who were like, let's do a, let's do a, let's do like a a, a collab and created this incredible book. Um and so I think even just artistically as a poet, I was really inspired to see um that kind of collaboration. Um and then to really get into his ideas as well, Lost Body is really like boundary breaking in the sense of like blurring the lines between like our physical bodies, like our spiritual bodies and like the physical land um, and places and cultures that we're engaged in. And so to really like in all these different ways uh, reflect and clarify like what it means to be like lost like in terms of like lost, like you can't find your way and also lost, like taken away um, and go through that journey of like being found again uh, was just like, it was, it was super chilly until your point about like the cycles of history, like um, to read about this man's life, Cesare's life and, um, and the, the art that came out of it. I was like, Whoa, like we're living in the same time and place really. Um and, and I think that it did get me thinking about how like the starting point, because because for so long, like I was only really engaging with blackness in the language of English and then in the U.S. context. And then I think like even, you know, us being like friends and brothers, right, like even like us uh, approaching this 10 year anniversary of like when we first started at Deerfield, right, like that was like that there there was on its own scale like a, a black diaspora there right just like all of the connections that we had like among us as like black students there um we're really touching like so many different parts of the diaspora um but even then it was like on the terms of like being at that institution on the terms of being in america um on the terms of speaking english and so for me to feel that connection with him um knowing that like his native language is french like you look up youtube videos of Cesare. And you're not going to find any where he's speaking English. And I love it, honestly. <laughs> like, I think it's great. And and even then, right, we're still talking about languages of, like, colonizers. But um, but I think it is really profound and important to just recognize, like, how multilingual Black folks are, uh, whether that be, like, English, French, um, EWO, like, any, any, you know, one of the thousands of Indigenous languages, as well as, like, through the arts, too. Right. Right, one hundred percent. I don't. I don't know if you guys have read. Um, my first kind of like entry point to like all of this was a Sheikh Antajo. He was a he was a Senegalese kind of like philosopher, like in Senegal. He's like he's like uh, Aristotle there. You feel me? Um, so that that like him was like the first person that made me even explore that because as a kid, I would hear a lot about him. Um. And like a lot about like filmmakers like Suleiman Sisse, Usman Sembene, like those were folks that like 
would like consider like intellect, you know what I mean? And like my my father, um, he would he would kind of uh, give stories of of those folks. So, um, and it's interesting how you talk about language too, because one of the 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 ironic thing is that French is a is a you know as a the language of the colonizer. Um, and I was reading a book called Black Africa. I, if y'all haven't, y'all should read it. Yeah, I feel like it's it's so it's so correlated. Um, but in that book, there's there's this interesting conversation of the power of language, and that being um, that 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 you having autonomy um, of your blackness through language. Um, a lot of the 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 culture and the preservation of culture and tradition. Um, has been diluted, I think, due to the fact that folks have um, that English in the in the not even not even about like the, the archetype of English, but it's how it how high it's raised as a pedestal in terms of academia or kind of intellect um, that that in itself and that dynamic has made it seem like if you speak outside of the English language or even French, to be honest, um, just knowing that for my for my my household that you're not seen as intellect. Like I, I've had throughout my, my childhood, like folks would switch from Bumbada to the French to like seem more, you know what I mean, polished. So that that in itself is an interesting dynamic. Um, but I think just like, you know, kind of reversing the narrative of how intellect and academia um, or how how we can play with it, right? How we can how we can play with English and French, how we can play with these different languages um, to showcase um, you know the 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 power um of the diaspora and i think that's that's a whole another conversation in itself but um yeah. yeah i think i think what you were kind of referring to jan um you know with with lost body i think just like this how we if we can if we can take these things that we've been so confined to and just put them against each other to to change the vantage point of these two different things and to mix them around all you know what I mean like all these different things you know we 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 reclaim power so i think um yeah, man, I, I've really been thinking about myself, like how do I even engage with the English language? And that's been that's 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 catalyzed some things in my art. You know what I mean? And how do yeah. I use my heritage in the context of being first generation, all these different things, uh, right. to understand myself. So Yeah, man, I think the uh, the language of re reclaiming our power is is so important, especially um, being as young as we we are, it's like an imperative that we do that and set ourselves up orientation wise for what we want to do and how we want to serve the right the rest of our our lives. And you know, thinking about our long journey over the last you know just ten years through the schools we've been at, bro. Like, what do you think is the main thing that you are letting go of? You know, for this next season, in order for you to reclaim that power man that's that's a crazy question <laughs> you know what i mean like that's a wow thank you for that question bro um i think i'm letting i think i'm letting go of this desire um to chase these kind of these kind of metrics um i think specifically on a capitalistic perspective that have been you know kind of put onto us as a terms of like metrics that we need to achieve in order to be successful. Um, and I'm slowly finding myself like 
yearning to go back home or to be around spaces around black folk, to do work around black folk um, and not having and like letting centralizing myself and centralizing my art around that. Um, so I think I'm letting go of just optics, um, optics of, of these kind of capitalistic metrics of success. Um, and I think that's that's been healing in a sense. But I, I think in that healing, I've had to do a bit of um, dying in terms of like this ego um, with these kind of, you know, perception of, I think, that I that I had to have in order to be, um, you know, just like as a man in my household or as a as an artist or all these things. I think I'm just shedding all of those kind of layers that I thought that I needed to achieve in order to be successful. Um, and I'm just just centralizing myself around love, around religion, around faith, around, um, you know, what how how I can be of of service to my people, even after. I'm no longer on this planet, right? How, how you know, conversations like a sincere, how, how are we, how can I create work that can um, have a domino effect and um, can still be talked about um, with, you know, even even if I'm not here. Um, so I think that's, that's in a long shot, you know, what I'm kind of letting go and like what I'm returning to is this, um, any shade of kind of like things that are of vanity um, I try, I think I'm now really being conscious of looking myself in the mirror, being honest with myself, like what are things that I've been holding on to that doesn't serve me um, in, a, in a capitalistic sense or, um, yeah, of an ego sense. And, um, you know, just, just trying to be, just trying to be about, just trying to be in community, whether that's through writing, whether that's through art, about um, our people, um, about people in general. And I think, I think that's, that's what I've been, I've been on. So, mm-hmm. how, about, how about you guys? I'm, I'm really curious. No, that's, that's, that's huge, Brian. I feel like the more we can uh, turn off thinking about the lens of society towards us, the better we can look at ourselves clearly. You know, the, the less you think about the optics of how things look. Yeah. Because you, because you can really, it's like a losing game every time you think about how things look because you can't perceive from anyone else's vantage point. Wow. You know, you automatically set, set yourself up to lose. Um, and I think in that same way, I have been both, yeah, self-critical is not the word I'm looking for, but just self-searching and exactly what it is that I want because I think it is hard like from all the information that that we get every day, the images, I think it's been hard for me to distinguish um, what is mine and what is someone else's dream. You know what I'm saying? And so I've really had to sit with that for a while. Um, And also though, like thinking through how what I want can just like help me and my community um, make things, set it up where we're doing less work later. Like I, I think leverage is still a very important idea for me. And yeah, like I I think I do have a sense of responsibility to my community and, and service. And so yeah, I don't. I don't really know what I'm letting go of there. Um, it really just feels like adding on. Uh, but 
this is the problem, but I ask cool questions I ain't ready to answer, bro. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all the time. Sometimes I say things, I write about things that I need to practice, so I feel it. But right. yeah. that, that that answers the question that mm-hmm. search um, and the distinguish of like what's yours versus what's not yours. I right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about letting go of the the chase. Um, as well. And I think it takes a lot of trust in ourselves, trust in like our families, our communities, like our experiences, our ancestors. It takes a lot of trust just like in the universe for real um, in order to like know that nothing you really need or want is like outside of you or is like really far away. Um, But when I think about like what compelled me to want to leave and to feel like I had to leave or like had to chase. Um, you know, I, I think it does make me think that part of what I'm letting go of is just like shame. Like, I feel like, you know, at some deep level, the only reason that, or like one of the core reasons that like, you know, I thought it was okay and like celebrated or like something that I wanted to do for going away to boarding school was because I didn't feel okay with where I was at, like in myself and in my place in Ohio, you know? And I think I had like a real shame there, which kind of like drove me to want to go. And like, you know, I, I think even the threat of shame is also really powerful too, right? Like that's, that's definitely what motivates a lot of young people to apply to college. You know, <laughs> it's like the, the, the threat, the overhang of like, you will be shamed if you don't do this. Um, and so much of that, that process of like schooling is taking advantage of that in a real way. And like, you know, guiding you along in these paths, um, kind of like holding like power over you and not reminding you that you are like powerful in your own way. Um, so I, I feel like part of, yeah, like the a lot of the arc for me right now is just like letting go of shame um and the like discomfort the hesitance the the um the doubt that like comes along with that um because right it's like even just the more grateful i feel for like the people around me um it's like what do we have what do we have to be ashamed about you know and like there's just so much there's just so much like power here so much joy here um and yeah, there are like mistakes and things that, you know, aren't good enough, but like, what do you, what even is, what even does that mean? I think that's where like, you know, our own urge to compare and, uh, compare and in particular, like contrast, like someone else's outward success with like our internal insecurities, just like getting out of our way. Uh, that, that, uh, the comment you made on. They think both of y'all for sharing that. That that I that was a mutually like I really appreciate it. And that um I think I think the threat of shame or just shame in in general, I think as us as as, as African people, it's such a it's such a it's such an ongoing thing that I think we've we've all had to deal with. And it's it's a it's almost as it's a genetic thing. It's a it's a societal thing. It's all these things of like this kind of surveillance um, on our on our 
or the, the threat of surveillance, even if nobody is watching, just this, this panopticon is like, folks, like, mean, like this thing is like, you're thinking that somebody's watching you, but you don't even know that they're watching. I think this has always been a thing of blackness um, uh, in, in regards to um, how do, who do we amount to be, um, how, when do, how fast it happens, um, how, how sustainable it is, all the, it's tiring. And I think it's, it's hard because we are, the generation who are currently living in this, you know, lineage of, of, of black people, we have to, you know, kind of line in the sand eventually and, and determine for ourselves that it stops with us, right? It's probably continue, but we have to, you have to make, we have to create communities where we're, we're not so obsessed with the surveillance that we've, um, that has been projected onto us and then thus projected onto each other. Um, we have to, you know, kind of, New, new modes of success, right? And how did, how does that look like for us? And I think focusing it on the celebration of, uh, you know, of gratitude, of selflessness, um, of service, and of distribution, right? Because we're leaving all of these things um, one one day, right? Like all these. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think you guys raised just just beautiful points of just like how, um, you know, the self is is the self, but I think it's it has to be a mutual exchange um, for mm. the internal and then for the, for, for the community of, of love, right? The internal has to be um, preserved. Um, and I think that's very, very important. But I, I think, you know, being outside of yourself as well is important. So when finding that balance where it doesn't mm. feel like, you know, being uh, attacked, that's important. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and too, like, I, I'm thinking as well about uh because you know we're talking about letting go and there's like letting go of like the self and like the ego i think there is also this letting go of um whatever we were raised in to believe in like progress too in a way um like that linear progress because that's 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 what the metrics are for right it's like tracking progress over time and like getting better uh getting better or like you know you know not being good enough yet so therefore and all that um and I, I think it's kind of to the point that we were just saying about feeling like we're in the same time as Cesare in a real way where it's like, whoa, like what what progress has there been like spiritually um, in terms of just this like overall condition? Uh, you know, he, you know, from his own context was kind of the first writing of like a of a black man from, you know, like damn near like 100 years ago, right? Because I'm thinking about Richard Wright and Ralph Ellison now um, and just like the archetypes that they really like spoke to wrote on and created um, which embody so many of like people's fears you know and it's like how much is is fear something that's about the future or something that you've already like experienced or like happened in the past you know um, and it's like if you know in that kind of context like where where is the place for faith and this is an interesting point too because I think um if I'm not mistaken, I think the Negritude movement, like they were in conversation with a lot of things that were happening. Yeah. Even just across waters, like these these conversations um were happening with each other. Like they were they were talking with each other. So yeah. it's, it's it's an interesting thing, like how even if we even if we try to set these binaries of like, oh, you're from you were born here or you were born here, like these conversations are always happening with each other right and i think that's a that's a beautiful thing and i think if we if we take that then we can we can 
heal ourselves from these internal burdens um, and we can move forward as a, as a people. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you know, like a thing that I think um, is really critical to think about is kind of how it's both easier than ever to get your hands on this book, but also with the deluge of information harder than ever. And like how once, you know, this story of your community or your culture was just not not actually passed to you, you know, orally, like now it might not ever reach you. And so it's almost our responsibility to seek these things out and we and even you know as as we seek them out create our own trail and uh document our journey for how to seek it out because i feel like part of the feeling of lostness and hopelessness comes from folks feeling like they can't even reach out to a thing or, or that things aren't as accessible as they need to be. Um, and yeah, man, just, just even tracing um, like the titles of all those books, Shake Diop and Sing, Sing Gore. Like I, 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 I want to fall in, in your steps there. You know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. I'm really trying to tap in. So um, yeah, it's just critical that we share these stories with each other, man. Like you, because and, and right, you never know. Who really, will need to 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 hear this. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I just want to give y'all your flowers. We're like, I think you guys are doing extremely important important work because, like you're saying, it's 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 you, that was the most beautiful. Yeah, it's easier than ever to receive this information, but it's harder than ever to to grasp it because there's so much noise. And it's just like kind of uh there's this pedestal of noise as well. It's like these these things that are over <laughs> those are the things that are getting pushed the most. And then it, it kind of crowds up all this this kind of um important and and um timeless pieces of, of work that 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 talk to our people. Um and I think you guys are doing amazing work because you're you're putting like a book like this, right? And like just these just these conversations that will forever be um in context to 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 our identity as blackness, no matter how many years pass. Um and putting them into the light and and talking from 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 this age range. I think this is, you know, it's it's important work for us. So I want to give you your flowers to that because um we we need if if the medium is through these kind of digital apps and like these kind of ways of technology, we have to find ways to still adapt these conversations. These conversations can't get diluted, you know what I mean? And I think you guys are- Right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you for real. Um, you know, Mamadou, you know, we, we've been saying that we go way back, but uh, we'd also love like, you know, if you could share for our listeners just like more of your story right so you can start wherever but you know we usually um you know ask guests to share like their story with reading in particular their their relationship with books um from from wherever you want to start all the way up until 
you know, Cesare, you know, like discords on colonialism and return to my native land. Um, I mean, I think my story, you know, doesn't start with me. It starts with my parents. Um, my father, he made the choice in 1992 um, to, you know, leave Mali, not really having plans. He had married my mother um, at that time. Not really too many plans of how he's going to do it or how fast it's going to happen. But, you know, with just an idea of just a one way um, to, to America, to, to Harlem. Um, he spent, you know, seven years without my mother because she was having. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, seven years without my mother um, because visa and having troubles on her end. So from 1992 to early 1999, um, he kind of set the foundation in Harlem and, um, you know, struggled, you know, trying to just, you know, develop himself um, in, in the context of America. My mother was able to come in January of 1999. And, um, you know, that's I think that's I want to start with them, because if they didn't, you know, make that trip, you know, to America, my life would be, I'm not saying we'll be in a better or different situation, but it will just, I mean, better or worse situation, but it will be a different situation from, um, you know, where I find myself. So, uh, yeah, man, my name is Mamadou. I was, I was born in Harlem, um, you know, to two Malian parents, um, two sisters, two younger sisters as well. Um, and I mean, I think for me, my, my kind of how I introduce myself now is as evolved over the years. You know, I think I'm more just a, a, a storyteller and a, and I guess a, um, an anthropologist, you feel me? And I, and I try to, I try to do it through, through poetry, through film, through, through songwriting. Um, and kind of really, I feel like what my, what my kind of role is and, and what I do now is just trying to put these, these multiplicities of identity into conversation with each other um, as a first generation kid, as a Mali and as a Muslim, um, as a kid from Harlem as well, um, navigated through all, through the poorest of the poorest, through elite situations, maneuvering through all these different things um, and putting these conversations to each other and how they um, correlate with age, with time, uh, with identity, with love, with grief, uh, with conflict, with contradictions, with confusion, um, kind of all these these dichotomies, I, I try to put them um, in context with each other through my art. Um, and I think you know, I've I've really been grateful to just being able to see different walks of life. And I think that's as I, as I reflect now in my life, you know, being able to connect with you guys at the time that I did. Uh, being able to grow up in the neighborhood that I did, being able to to navigate through different modes of life, um, I, I think I just now I'm just trying to be intentional with how I blend all of these these stories together. Um, and I think you said a uh, last question in regards to reading. Um, reading reading was was very critical for me at an early age because that opened up the portal for me to even want to be a storyteller in the first place. Um, and in seventh grade, and specifically. I had an English teacher and like he was like the first person to put black literature um, into into our class. And that was huge because at the time, like, you know, the Common Core, the New York State curriculum um, was very, very, very focused on like ELA and the math exams, you know, getting a three and a four. Like that was always the biggest thing. And thus the the curriculum was very predicated on, you know what I mean? Like just trying to get 
whatever literature that will, you know, kind of configure your mind to 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 get in a three and a four on the exam. Um, but but he kind of like kind of went against the grain. He put a lot of black literature, so I was exposed to W. E. B. Du Bois for the first time in that class, and um, you know, Maya Angelou. We we read like excerpts of Toni Morrison too. Like so, like that that was just like it expanded my mind because I was like, wow, there there's a representation of just a black like intellect right at the highest level and seeing that at, a, at an early age i think that that opened my mind into you know um being confident in my voice and into the stories that i shared so that, that was a lot but but yeah that's um that's me man and i appreciate i appreciate y'all man i appreciate yeah of course yeah no it was i mean it was perfect um you know the, another thing about you know you're you in seventh grade uh all the way leading up to um, when you started at, at Deerfield was just how much you were writing too. Mm-hmm. Like that was one of the first things you ever showed me. Actually, the first time I ever seen anybody do this mm-hmm. is you like opened up your drawer, <laughs> just like, <laughs> just like twenty notebooks all filled. I was like, I have never finished one notebook cover to cover, and you had like thirty of them, bro. <laughs> just like all like all lyrics. You're like, yeah, you listen to Tupac. That's my G, bro. That's <laughs> rich. So like, like how would you how would you say that you've like evolved like specifically as a writer um through that time? And and then too, like, you know, I guess part two to that, when was the last time you looked back through all your notebooks? Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Uh yeah, man. It, it's crazy to think about because I'm I'm 24 now, which is a trip to say. You know what I mean? And I remember meeting you when I was 13. Oh baby, you feel me? Like it, it's, it's <laughs> but you know, just praise me to a love, bro. Um, all right, but in regards to your, your question, um, you know, I think my, my writing has changed and I, I think because I, I'm, I'm in this fellowship program now, um, I've, I've been in a very meditative state of like looking at all of my writing kind of like throughout the years. And I've actually been like trying to find some, of my, my first, first, first writing and, um, been able to find a couple through the notebooks. Some is still in Harlem, and I and I got to go back once I once I go for break. But just just in general, being in this program, I I feel like I've been in a I've I've really been looking at myself in different phases of my life and and seeing what is the common conversations that are happening through the work. And I think the biggest way how I've changed, I think I've just I've I've went into I think now I'm just really deep in the interiority of myself. Um, and 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 the color of my of my interior self, like the texture of my interior self, um, kind of different moments in in documenting events of my life that I try, especially I say specifically now in my poetry. If I document an event, I try to go into um, the texture of of the cards that were occupying the event, right? If it's a traumatic event or or a happy event, I'm like, what is the the scent? Um, how does it taste on my taste buds when I eat, when I'm eating food in conjunction to this moment? Like I'm very, I'm very immersed, I think, in my writing now and the, just, just even the mundane just details and how, and how it, those mundane details build into this, the archetype of this scene of this event that I'm trying to entail. Uh, I think I'm, I'm really immersed in that. Um, and I think, that is that is helping all my my writing forms. So I think that's the biggest way how I've evolved. Um, and, and you had a second question, and I I, I want to answer that too. 
Oh, you already, I mean, you already did just talking yeah. about going Hopkins. back home. Yeah. 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 Oh, I do. I yeah. yeah. How, how's that, how's that, uh, experience been? I know you're saying you got a lot more still in Harlem, but, uh, but you know what? Yeah. What's it like going back to your old stuff? It's, it's like, it's, it's a lot of emotions. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's very, uh, it's very cringy. <laughs> it's very, uh, hilarious. It's also, I also, um, in a way, I, I've, um, how do I say? It's not like I mourn for that kid in that time, but I kind of like I, I empathize with that kid, you know, surely, because um, I think, you know, the the writer who I was at thirteen, fifteen, whatever, was trying to grapple with things that, um, if he if he maybe had um, an older brother or somebody. Um, to talk to, he can, he can think about these different, you know, events in a different way. And I kind of see that from my, my older work. Um, but I, but I think it's, it's, it's so many different emotions, but I think I, I'm just grateful to have had an outlet to express myself during um, those different pockets of my life. Cause I think um, mm. it, it just, it just, it just allows you to just see your, your own evolution, you know, as a, as a human being, um, and your com and the way how you grapple with grief or with celebration at thirteen is very different from twenty four. Um, so I, I like to those in conversation, and I've been doing that a lot more. Like, how do I these these two events that I try I wrote at thirteen and I wrote at twenty four? How do they win languages? And uh, maybe I'm more mature at thirteen at speaking that that conversation versus at twenty four, right? So just just trying to put these mirrors, um, making making the work look at each other. So you see what comes out of it. Wow. Wow. And so now looking towards the future with, with your writing, you know, you're really talking about building worlds and, and you really have have been, but like, what do you think is like the main question that's like guiding you, you know, um, to, you know, writing down the rest of your beautiful work, you know? Yeah, wow. Um, I actually want to bring it up because I, I wrote, so there's a couple questions um, that I think that I've been kind of engaging with my work and that I think these questions have informed uh, my poetry, my songs, and also I'm, I'm heavy into to writing scripts right now. I'm really developing myself as a filmmaker as well. So um, the questions in general are, what does it feel like to be an outsider in the spaces that you want to be embraced by and how does it feel like to live in between and what are the burdens that either society or my loved ones try to bury underneath the rug of indifference so those kind of questions have i, I like those i like put those kind there. of questions bro it's so deep bro but it's like i'm one of my um professors they had like made a prompt during the, the fellowship, like what are what they said, like everybody write down, like what are the questions that you try to, um, you know, search for in your work. So, uh, right, wow. Wait, wait, can do you, do you mind if you read the last one again? That was really powerful. I got you. Uh, what are the burdens that either society or my own loved ones try to bury underneath the rug of indifference? Um, so, so yeah, this this kind of archival silence. You know, the, there's a lot of stories that that. I think have burdened, you know, the people that I love, but they've tried to 
push them out of the way or myself. I've, I've tried to push right. them because we just, you know, want, don't want to look in the mirror um, and those conversations. And yeah, so I think those are the exact stories. Oh. That, oh. That's actually so deep, bro, because like as kids, there are obviously things that, yeah, I, I wouldn't say we shouldn't know, but like we just don't have the language yet. And I definitely can see why our parents or other loved ones would be cautious with like talk, talking about certain things. And, you know, we're raised in a way where those topics slowly start to come up. But like, right, even as our society thinks about how they raise its children, like those are archival silences as as you're saying them, like only make it more contagious because we really don't know how to talk about the things we never talk about. So how are we supposed to know when we are older? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it almost makes it worse. Um, and man, you know, I feel like te technology, technology brings it comes into every conversation just given it's, it's time, but like the algorithms honestly make the archival silence worse because they promote this stuff at a speed that we can't even process. And so the same topics that they're always pushing just to promote the using of their apps, like, yeah, again, make it worse. Um, so, That's man, that is a crazy term, ar archival silences, right? Well, I mean, uh, I mean that's, that's a crazy, I mean, even just how you pair that with algorithm stuff like that like that's a whole nother mm -hmm. that's a whole nother combo right because it is how we're, now we're thinking about how do we preserve our stories how do we preserve our stories today in conjunction with the stories of the past in this rapid um kind of uh un like you can't calculate it uncalculated i guess um kind of kind of form of technology that is dominating how folks are receiving and putting out information. Um, what I do, something that I think has, has been something that I've been thinking about is through platforms that folks create through these platforms, how do we control the speed of how things are you know, putting out in terms of like our, our output, right? And, and, and the quality mm -hmm. for quality in conjunction to speed. Um, I think even for myself, I've, and I think Jan said this with like this chase, doing a, doing a bit of letting that go and, and creating work that is actually can sit for longer than a couple seconds or a couple minutes, like work that can sit and people can revisit to years from year. I think that is, that is how we combat this speed is like, creating works that people cannot run away from, like they have to sit with, you know what I mean? And instead of just like, okay, I consume this, I'm gone. Like, no, like stuff like that's like, I have to sit with this today, tomorrow, maybe next year, the year after that, and I'm still going to be getting something new. And I think if we think like that and how we approach, eventually, I think these these algorithms will will cultivate towards yeah. work you know, that sits, but... um. It's it's an interesting thing. I've, I've, I've I have so many thoughts about it, but yeah, mm -hmm. interesting thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, Mamadou, what would you say is your relationship with TikTok? 
Oh my lord, bro! It's yeah. such. I was like, just to name it, you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> I think I've had to radically shift my relationship with that app because I think it was, in some ways, a catalyst for um, a, a lot of how my my brand has grown. Um, myself as a, as an artist and. Um, how folks know me and and things like that, and I think I'm grateful for for a platform that has allowed me to um, put myself in, into into spaces that I don't think I, I would have been prior. So I'm grateful for that, but I do think that in the in the two years that I've I've been on TikTok, I've had to I have to I've had to really myself I had, I've, I've had to look in the mirror in terms of like how do i define success for myself as an artist um and and be firm about it especially now um because i think the problem with these apps especially if you're creative and you're putting yourself out there is that it slowly starts to place parameters onto what type of how people consume you and um mm-hmm type of art that you think you should you, sh- you should be be putting out to the world and i caught myself in that especially recent like these past couple of months i've caught myself like man am, am i starting to limit the scope of my art because i don't think that these conversations um will be received by my art- audience and i've and i've mm-hmm. had to start think about that as i as i move forward in, in my career and i'm like you know, I look at TikTok more as like an introduction to myself. Right. And I, I don't, and I think because of that, I don't want to put the ultimatum of who I am as an artist on an app that is optimized for like a couple seconds. I don't think that's a sustainable model um, for myself as an artist. Because I want to live on the page, on the screen. I don't think it's sustainable to only put your sole focus on an app that is, is optimized for a couple seconds. So I've, I've had to do a bit of dying in that regard too. I'm like, man, this is, this has been great, but I have to pivot into sustainable yeah. projects. Kind of looking towards longer form projects um, that that you know that will translate way after I'm gone. Mm-hmm. That question though, bro. That's a, that's a room. What, what are y'all? What are y'all thoughts about? these apps in, in relation to being a creative. Yeah, I think, I think you are totally right. I think that just short form content, it trains both the creators and the viewers. And I think not the best ways just cause of not just the intention, but the possibilities, like the imagination, like, but it's like, if we are only right training our imagination to think and decode strengths, it's it's like good creatively for a second. Like, oh, you know, it was like cool for a year, you know, seeing all, all the things that folks could do in a 30 or minute long TikTok, right? Or with Vine, it was cool to see what folks could do in a six second long Vine. But it's like, just as you're, you're saying, after a certain point, how does that just cap our 
pure imagination. Like, is this really like, do you really want to be spending your life watching these for an hour a day? Does that really, or is it just a thing that you've trained yourself to do, you know? And I will say though, TikTok is probably in their model for social media is the most engaging entertainment has like ever been in like the world. Like you literally can get a sampling expressly created for you. They know more about you than you know about you. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I do have the app on my phone. And like when I watch it, it is inter entertaining, right? But it's like, again, I, I have to put a cap on it. And I honestly have gotten better about about it. But yeah, creating and watching, I think, double-edged sword like anything. Yeah, no, so like Miles and I through Real Ballers Read have had our own like mirrors of ourselves as uh, creators and promoters and um black men right black people young black people um as intellectuals too and you know i think in like a very necessary way the last few years of like really scaling up going to like instagram and also having the podcast for uh real ballers read was just a necessary like you know i'm thinking like a washing machine right just like spin cycle right just like like releasing releasing a lot of uh dead weight and it was crazy and it definitely like was a lot of um like literally spinning in circles right and and getting stuck in like thinking loops um but i feel like it was so necessary just for our growth and in particular also just realizing the ways in which um books and reading is like it's definitely a part of us and like the the story of real ballers read is a part of us but it's not the only one and i think this was just like a really critical time for doing something with so much like intention and passion that it also allowed us to see like all of the things that we cared about and really wanted to um like step out on even more so um because right, like re writing reviews for books uh, is not, you know, what we're trying to do for like our whole life. Like it was something that we were doing like out of the excitement, out of like even the training that we got from school and and wanting to like reapply it in a new context. Um, but yeah, it got to a point where I was like, man, like how much is reading and how much are books just like shields and like, and uh, you know, a defense mechanism for me, like, and just generally being more anxious to like put myself out there and like be more vulnerable. Um, and, and I think that in an interesting way, like, you know, how things went on Instagram, I think we're a reflection of that. Um, and I think that's also why, you know, TikTok popped up and YouTube popped up for us at multiple times. It was like these mediums that we wanted to like jump into next, um, because we felt like we could create more space for ourselves to come through. And I think that's part of it with, that's the thing with both of them is that in the like video format, no matter the length of time, even, you know, your voice 
your like physical presence. Like there just is more of a sense or even illusion of connection that you're allowed to like offer to people that's different than like a still and text, you know? Um, Cause at the end of the day, like, and this is what TikTok figured out to Miles's point at the end of the day, the only reason that phones are as successful as they are is because people were already so separated that we needed like middlemen in order to like feel more connected to each other. And so the middleman is the phone, first of all, the smartphone, the iPhone, and then secondary to that are like all the different social media apps that came out. Like the, the, you know, it's not, a, it's not an accident that so many people will wake up and go straight to their phone. It's because that's where all of their relationships are because we don't live by each other in the same way. Um, and that was, that's all by design. Right. So I think like, I think even coming to that understanding through, through journey as well, just really did start to like place um, technology in, in like it's appropriate relationship with like everything else. Um, I think that the whole urge to go back and feel that sense of peace through like old books and in-person conversations, even through Zoom, right? Where like even more of someone's like space and story and life in this moment can live um, through the attention that we're allowed to give through like the Zoom um, just has felt so powerful and it's felt so like worthwhile where that I was like the inspiration behind like, you know, uh, making a handmade book. Right. And then like, and, you know, posting about it a little bit, but otherwise like keeping everything like print and then, you know, finding other ways to do things that were analog, so to speak. Um, and and I think as well too, even just like being in Chicago, uh, really reimagining and wanting to design our lives around like creation and, uh, world building and, service really like i think it has had us interested in the ways in which we can like engage with chicago that has nothing to do with like social media or is just more in person right it's like there are these there are these old tools that we have right like like books our feet like even cars right that like allow us to like connect in person with people in a way that's like even more powerful than just like scrolling through tiktok like in bed um, and so, right. Like really leaning on those, like those ways that our bodies already know, like our bodies were built to, were built to like be outside and engage with one another. Um, and yeah, the chase and the dopamine, like, like dopamine is the chemical of the chase. Right. And like, I think that the phones in order to justify their existence, like, like did, are doing a really good job of like exploiting that, um, but I think that's part of it too, is even recognizing how like the chase can be like uh, actually really meaningful when it's in the right like context or in the right like sphere, you know, um, when it's like channeled in the in the right direction. So um, that was all like a long way of just like kind of opening up um, a lot of conversations and a lot of like struggles over the last few years in our relationships with social media. Um, and who knows what's next, honestly, because there are just so many great people to connect with through the Internet, um, like as important as it is to be connected locally, like. It's also something where the better we can set boundaries with tech and like and, you know, be intentional, like there are ways that we can, like, you know, use it as well. Um, 
but right like i just i go back to that whole middleman thing like that's really what it is is just like you know uh taking advantage making money off of monetizing like the the fact that we aren't able to just like walk over to your place right now and like just talk you know what i'm saying um wow Mon wow yeah man you said like 50 different points where i was like man uh, you feel me like wow um yeah that that was that was that was insane um yeah man i think i think yeah, I'm kind of at a loss for words because you you kind of hit on so many different tangents in regards to um, you guys' relationship with with social media and the importance of that person to person in in real space in real time um, breaking bread with one another. Um, how 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 necessary it is. Um, Man, I think I think we're in a we're in a time now where we're trying to do all that we can with all that we have to be anything outside of human. Um, I think we're in a space where it's we're do where we're trying to create and create create ways to take ourselves outside of just basic principles of humanity. We're we're trying to put humanity into a different context and a different archetype. You know what I mean? Like we're just we're, we see one model and we're just trying to put that in a different model. Um, and I think, and I think technology is a, has been a vessel for that in, in its most extreme ways. I think it, in, in its, in its ways of, of with, with boundaries, I think it's been a, a very useful thing, but I, the problem is that it, it seems as if like technology has further exploited that space instead of become a, like you say, it's, it's, I think it's it's mindset and like I think you, you graded you graded you raised a great point, Jan. Um it's it's saying like it's the middleman, it connects us, but I think it's all it's done has further exaggerated individualism. It's it's like the whatever space we had be, before like technology has only exponentially, you know what I'm saying? Because I think I think it's connected folks to one another, but then we have these kind of these these negative kind of banters where we're going we're going at one another, or we're just we're, we just have a space where folks can just say things is out of proportion without <laughs> conception of how that would happen if you were in real yeah. in, in real time with somebody. You feel me? So yeah, it's a fact. It's just it's just it's just crazy how like there's yet a lot of beauty for that, but I think that because that there there's no boundaries there's no like time limits of like when technology turns off or like these uh, i don't know just, there's just no there's no like structure where we are where we have the ability to remind us of like oh i have to go outside and talk to people you can stay online as long as you want you know what i mean so I, because that there is no focus on okay we have to be human at the end of the day and that there's just kind of this so much possibility of how technology can be used. It's 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 in ways kind of stresses that 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 space has even been um, further further exploited. So it yeah, I have so many ways to think about it, but yeah, man, no, it really is. I mean that's that's you know I I don't want to come compare it to any other times, but like. In a sense, that is kind of the crux of society's 
future in a sense, like because because when because when you think of what all these tech co companies are even planning for, they're pouring in all of this money into VR and the metaverse, and they want us to be even more separate. And it's like if we can foresee that, like the boundary there becomes even more important for us to establish. And if we don't like again, these ma massive co companies, if they have their their way and the way that makes them the, the most money, like the future just doesn't look as community centered, you know, and that's sad. Um and and so how 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 are we both fighting against that, but more importantly, you know, fighting for a few future that that we all want and see our hu humanity and uh imperative and say sorry bro man this i i i'm i'm honestly i'm I, i'm gonna be reading this poem so often because i think this is the blue the blueprint to like the next world bro. honestly like yeah like we really gotta tap into these sources bro i was about to say maybe we gotta return um to our to our native land you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm saying no, that's right oh, that's right it's, yeah, because yeah. no, right. No, Mamadou, earlier you were talking about um, yearning to go home. And I was like, oh, does he mean, does he mean Harlem? Does he mean Mali? Like, where? I didn't know. What are your thoughts? That's a good point. Uh, home has been an ambiguous thing that I think I've, I've been yearning for. But I think in its, in its spiritual sense, home has been, for me, a space where that in every 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 nook and cranny, every crack and crevice, I feel that I'm around people that will no longer that 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 don't have the surveillance on them to feel as if they can't fully be African, and whether that's in in Mali, Senegal, Ghana. Congo, South Africa, whether that's in Harlem in certain places, like I think I'm yearning for home in that in that kind of ambiguous um, feeling spiritually, uh, and I think I think that that has yearned my my that that has inspired my travels, that has inspired my kind of my writing. Um, is this 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 desire to to be home? Um, and whether that's, like I said, whether that's in location, whether that's in community, whether that's on the page, whether that's through, through a medium, uh, sometimes you can find refuge in home and in, in in creating a medium. Uh, and I, I, I just want that to represent, you know, the, the, the lack of surveillance and the freedom to fully express who I am as African and all the nuances of it, all the conflictions of it. All the contradictions, all the all the all the all the internal tension, but also the celebration of it, beauty of it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's what it means by by home. I think uh, returning to a state where black people, and I think that's what Sincere is saying. Uh, he, oh man, I mean, just even the what's what's fascinating about this book is that for me. It's a, it's a true, it's like every, every, like I said, the, 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 the texture of what liberation and in the context of being um, in this place that 
he he's really engaging with and how that how it sounds how it feels how it looks like it it it's it's like a return it's like a it's like the vantage point is like a on the land but it's also outside of the land it's how the how the land um the, the vernacular of that land and all these things and how it comes back to you know the the flora and fauna of the land, and then it, it goes back and forth. I think the return of my native land has a very, very kind of looking in and, and stepping out, um, kind of back and forth. And he does that great, amazing with his poetry. And um, yeah, I, I think that's that's essentially it. Being able to be in a space where you can fully immerse yourself, and you don't feel any bondage at all. You don't feel the stress. You can go on as many tangents as you want. You can express yourself. You can lose yourself and refine yourself in the same space that you could call home and and not feel like you're going that threat. Um, I think I, I think Jan had said it earlier that 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 threat, you know, not 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 having a worry about that. I think that's I think that's true liberation. And I think I'm searching for that. And I'm and I'm trying to create space for that, but not only for myself, but just like for people that look like me. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are there any um, contemporary artists of any medium that you think uh, are are doing that work that you just described of liberation? Um, like who's 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 really like resonating with you right now? Um, yeah. Question, bro. I, I mean, I've been heavy. Like I said, I've been writing a lot of like. Uh, screenplays at the moment and um you know really just trying to study a lot of uh african cinema um as of late so i mentioned a couple um i think usman Sembene is is definitely um somebody who him and suleiman say both of them um are, are two filmmakers that i think have created that for the work because I, they i think they illuminated the beauty of just africa in a different light um, especially like in this kind of um, post-colonial kind of um, this Africa, this post-colonial Africa, I think they they their films did an amazing job of painting that. Um, and I think co- in the contemporary um, Saul Williams, um, he somebody who I think is thinking about kind of he he made this one film called Neptune Frost, um, and it's kind of this like Afrofuturism. Um, and I, I think that that film was was a was a very interesting one because I think it allowed I think what what the 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 kind of these binaries of like how Africa is or just like blackness is kind of um, perceived and digested and 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 consumed is kind of like these binaries of this or that. But I think just you know opening new ways to think about Africa and futurism and mystic and you know things that that obviously like a Tony Morrison has done. I think um, thinking about this in a different space has has also been, you know, inspiring for me to think about. It's like we can we can fly, bro, if you want. You know what I mean? Like we can, I don't know. We can we can be t- the tallest people on earth, and we can have our own society where we're just the mm-hmm. tallest. Right? Just this, these these ways to think about it that is like that also break us out of our own perceptions of how we think of our own people. I think those have been the the type of work that that's inspiring. Mm. Yeah, bro. I remember we were talking last year about um, the Saul Williams film where he was an actor, where he was in the prison. What, what was the name of that one? Again, I still have to, to see it. I got it. It's a slam, slam. 
Slam, yes. Yeah, because he was a slam poet too in real life. Yeah, yeah. Like a gifted, very gifted, gifted one. Wow, bro. Yeah, I, I really have, have to dive into his work, man. Um, I have seen his his slam poem that he did with like the, the list. You ever seen that one? With like the, where he's like, the list scroll. is too long. Yeah, yeah. Um, comes out with the scroll. F Jam, I think. Yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. But aside from that, I uh, gotta really tap in. But that's that's incredible. And what were the name of the two directors or um, screenwriters from Africa? So um, Usman Sembene. Um, if you guys want Usman Sembene, I would recommend um, either Black Girl, it's like La Femme Noire, a Black Girl, or Sidio or Sidio. I think it's like D O. Um, the 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 black girl one is a very interesting one because I'll just say the log line is basically a a at the time a lot of women um would kind of like this was like like when Senegal Mali all these places first got their independence it's like what nineteen sixties whatever um and they are there's still this kind of allure to Europe and all that stuff and. Uh, they kind of like want to be picked up from like these these European people who visit um, Senegal, places West Africa, and be their housemates. Um, so it's kind of like this, this journey of of a woman, of a Senegalese woman who um, gets picked up, you know, um, from a European uh, woman, and uh, you know, kind of travels to France and and becomes a, a housemaid, and kind of like that that development. Um, of of that, so yeah, yeah, y'all should de- y'all should definitely watch that. And the, the whole film is is in French. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a, that that's an interesting one for sure. I, I definitely say watch that. Man, bro, this has just been such a blessing, bro. We're so glad to talk. I feel like we always, anytime we pick up the the combo, bro, it just automatically goes straight to the source, bro. It's just how it is, bro. <laughs> Actually, I know. You know that's also part of why it feels. So good to talk with you. I don't even remember the last time that we talked. Um, but, you know, even even reflecting on what we were saying about uh, our relationships with tech over the last few years, like, you know, we didn't even name the pandemic, just as like yeah. part, of, part of that construct. But then what that got me thinking about was how like our conversations were also critical to like the time during the pandemic. Um, yeah. And... And like, you know, whether it was about Rami and Islam or like, you know, some of your some of some of the poetry uh, practices that I still use and give to other people and just be like, oh, yeah, shout out Mama. <laughs> like, like, I think we we have been, um, you know, in conversation like our lives, you know, and I think uh, I just have so much um, gratitude and excitement and joy and like real curiosity for how we'll continue to like build and create together um so yeah i just wanted to like affirm that once again yeah yeah bro i mean man i I think i think both of you guys um i I think i thank you guys for your existence bro you know what i mean like real real talk i think i think it's important to to say that um and i've been saying that to a lot of you know people that I consider I consider family just because I think it's, it's important 
for folks that have impacted you in different ways and different aspects of life, you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, that love. And um, I know it's been some time since we, since we spoke, but that, that those love, those conversations, those moments right. is, 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 is truly timeless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, yeah. It, it, it can't, it can't be, there's, there's no expiration date um, in terms of the, right. Terms of how how that shifts, yeah. so, and there's no there's no clear like metric of the time. You know what I'm saying? Like we could have just talked to you yesterday. <laughs> we don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, fire, bro. Yeah, man. Appreciate y'all, man. It's been a pleasure, man. Appreciate you. I know, I know. No better time, though, bro. You listen to the uh our our three three thousand album? I listened to parts of it. Um, I listened to like. I think he was spending. He was really spending bars, bro. Hey, he was. I mean, if, yeah, if you're thinking like that, he was. <laughs> he was spending bars, man. Uh, but uh, I listen. I didn't listen to like the whole track in its in, like the whole album in its entirety. But like we were talking about, kind of like with time in conjunction to mm-hmm. our expression, like like he he full he has full autonomy. You know what I mean, he has full control right. of how he's expressing himself, and I think I think that. That in itself is liberating um, to just to, to see to some to somebody at it at you know with the name and all these things him like kind of kind of doing a, a bit of dying in that regard and fully illuminating um, to to do what he wants to do what his soul what his soul is compelling him to do I think yeah. that 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 is that is how you be that is blackness in in, in its in this form, you know, so yeah. I do. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful project, bro. Um, I, yeah, I totally agree. I, I listened to it Friday and want to dive back into it, but yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like wild though too, because there are, there have been so many black artists that have been making, you know, jazz and just other kinds of music, but for him to do it, I think it's a uh, important, you know, combo shit through, you know, so um, yeah. Yeah, definitely appreciate him as a example. I think it's important because the state of, and we kind of alluded to this, but I, I just think in general with entertainment industries, you can, like we were just talking about, you can limit you can limit the scope of how you view yourself as an artist by trying to, right. uh, you know, attend to this certain style that the, the audience knows you for or these things that you you limit your possibilities you know and, and who, who knows who knows how Andre Thousand may be thinking even five years from now if he decides to do an album maybe the album right. is visual and like you know what I mean whatever but it's right. like allowing allowing yourself the possibility um I think that's how that's how you grow up here so I'm saying yeah yeah like Miles you were literally just saying like how you start when you're a rapper, like how you start when you start rapping about is usually what you keep rapping about. <laughs> like Andre Thousand was like, I'm gonna just like change change languages altogether, you know, change the voice. And and it's and it's like you have you have to find different ways to express yourself. You, your life yeah. is changed. You may have a child. You you may you may travel the world. You may fall in love and love breaks your heart. Like whatever it is, like you, but you have to have different or the at least the the freedom to express yourself in different ways to uh, fully attest to that emotion, that moment, that 
you know, in the best way that it needs to be represented. I think we're just all storytellers. I don't think we're just a poet or a musician or a filmmaker or a right. Never, we're, we're storytellers, and whatever is the best way to tell that story, that's the way we tell it. You know what I mean? And I think it's all of our duties to just tell the stories in the most fulfilling way possible. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real Ballers Read. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we hope to catch you in the next episode.